Tonight's readings from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Thank you, Rich, and good evening, everybody. If I can add my own welcome to that that Adam's given. Uh, I've asked for folks to get hold of a copy of the Bible in front of you so that we're going to be looking at this letter uh, from Paul to the church in Ephesus, and there's various bits I want you to flip between. We'll put all the verses up on the screen, but sometimes it's easier to see how it fits together. There is nothing more inspired about having it uh, in this form than on a scroll, as it was originally written, or on a tablet or an iPhone. But sometimes it's just easier to see the links between the verses if you've got it in front of you. Uh, we always want to hold together the world we live in and our lives and the scriptures. And for the last few months, we've taken topics we want to look at and seen what the scriptures say about that. As we look through this letter to the church in Ephesus, we're saying, well, what does this say? And what light does that shed uh, on our lives as a whole? So let's pray that God would speak to us. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. You haven't left us to guess what you're like. You haven't left us to guess how to please you. You've revealed yourself down the years through the prophets, supremely through Jesus. And you've given us your written word in the Bible. We pray now that you would breathe your Holy Spirit uh, on me as I preach, on all of us as we listen, that you would shine your light on these words, that they would live for us and you would speak to each one of us tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't always ask you to do this, but if you do have a phone, just get it out and see what signal you've got. If you suddenly see an email cropping up on there, turn it off again quick and put it away, because that will be distracting. Uh, as it happens, I've got oh, load, really good signal here. Um, the worst place my signal is is in my house at home. So if you want to phone me, you're much better with the landline than this one. Uh, the reason I can you just to check the signal is that all, we can't see the signal, 
but it's there all around us. We can connect our GPS to the satellites. We can uh, switch on the receiving equipment in our phones and get the messages that come. There's radio waves going through here and television signals, and, and we need to be able to connect with them. Now, it's not just those sort of signals that are going through. We live not only in a natural world, the world we can see and taste and touch and feel and smell, we live in a supernatural world. We live in a spiritual dynamic. And the spiritual dynamic is everywhere, just as much as the natural. And we live in the overlap of both of those things. And Paul starts off this letter by talking about some realities in the heavenly realms. Uh, so verse 3 of our passage, if we put that up, right at the start. And if you want one verse as a summary of what this passage is about tonight, this would be it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The heavenly realms are the spiritual reality uh, that we are part of. We're part of the natural world and the heavenly world, and both intersect here. And we need to be as aware of what's going on in the heavenly realms and the spiritual reality as we are of what we can see and feel and touch and smell and so on, uh, the natural world around us. Uh, this concept of the heavenly realms runs through Ephesians. Let me just show you. Uh, if you look on to chapter 1 and verse 20, uh, Paul talks about God raising Christ from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Chapter 2 and verse 6, Paul says that God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Over the next couple of Sunday evenings, we're going to be baptizing people by immersion. They go down into the water and rise up again. It's a picture of being united with Jesus in his death and resurrection. And for all of us who are in Christ, we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. That is our status now. Uh, chapter 3 and verse 10 uh, we'll come on to this in a few weeks' time. But God's intent is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And perhaps more famously, at the end of the book, the letter, chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul reminds us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We don't fight against other people, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So from the beginning of the letter to the end, this phrase about in the heavenlies or the heavenly realms uh, runs right through all Paul's thinking, that the world we live in, and towards the end of the letter he comes on to dealing with marriages and workplaces and uh, all the normal stuff of life that we have to deal with. At the same time, we need to be as aware of what's going on in the spiritual realms. If we come back to verse 3, that is where the main blessings God has got for us are. God's blessed all of us in different ways, physically with different natural abilities or gifts or talents. But he blesses every Christian with these immense spiritual blessings we're looking at tonight. And we connect with them by being more aware of what's going on in Christ and in the heavenly realms. So we need our eyes opened. Uh, next week we will focus on Paul's prayer in the second half of Ephesians 1 where he prays that the church in Ephesus, the Christians there, their eyes would be opened. Uh, verse 18 of Ephesians 1, he puts it like this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, will be opened, in order that you may know the hope that he's called you to. 
Uh, and tonight, you might just want to pray quietly as, as you're listening. Lord, would you open my eyes to be aware of what's going on? Just as I know there's uh, phone signals and radio waves going around everywhere, and I need to uh, put on the receiving equipment, as it were, if we want to get the message. So would you open my eyes and help my antennae be out for what you are doing in the spiritual realms all around me? Uh, throughout the Bible, we find God opening people's eyes to do this. My favorite story uh, on this one comes from 2 Kings chapter 6, where Elisha is an Old Testament prophet. Uh, he has a wonderful relationship with the Lord who reveals all sorts of things to him. At uh, this particular time, uh, the Arameans, that's overlaps with the Syria, where, where Syria is, they were attacking Israel. But every time the army of Aram went to attack the Israelites, God revealed it to Elisha, and he tipped off the king or the army, and they were ready, they were prepared. And the king of Aram says to his generals, which one of you is a traitor? Who's telling the king of Israel what's going on? And they say, no one, my lord, but apparently there's this prophet in Israel who seems to know what you say in your bedroom, let alone anywhere else. So the king of Aram says to his army, go and get him, we'll capture him, and then we'll be able to deal with Israel. And so the army goes and surrounds the little town where Elisha is. And Elisha's servant wakes up in the morning and draws the curtains and looks out, and there are uh, the armies of the Syrians surrounding them. And he kind of panics, and along with the cup of tea that he probably takes into Elisha in the morning when he wakes him up, he says, my, my Lord, we're surrounded by the enemy army. What are we going to do? And in 2 Kings 6, verse 17, Elisha prays this, Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, that the forces with them were far greater than the forces against them. Cracking story. You can read it at bedtime, 2 Kings chapter 6, if you don't know it. Uh, it all ends very well for Elisha and his servant, and indeed the Aramean army, who they treated well. Uh, but the point is, there's more going on than we're aware of. And if we're not aware of it, we will never enter fully into all that God has for us. Uh, things are not just going on in the natural world around us. They're happening in these heavenly realms. And one of the reasons I think the church in the West is so weak today is most of our attention is on the stuff we can see and touch and feel and smell and organize and plan. And not nearly enough on being open to the Lord and prayer and what's going on in the heavenly realms. It's both and, it's not either or. There are some Christians who are so heavenly minded, they need to wake up and look at what's going on in the natural world as well. But by and large, for most of us, uh, we're pretty good with the natural world around us. We need our eyes opened. So back to our key verse of, of Ephesians 1, 3. Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Uh, all that's going on around us, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you are in Christ, if you're a Christian, every spiritual blessing is yours. You may not be aware of it. You may not know how to enter into it, but it's there for you. And over these next verses, uh, from verse 3 to verse 14, Paul, as it were, just tumbles out a whole load of blessings. If you were the scribe trying to write this down, you would have really struggled to keep up with it. There's no punctuation in what we've got handed down to us. It's just a stream of consciousness. Those of you who are a little bit older will remember uh, an athlete called Chris Akabusi, who used to run uh, for our nation. And he'd be interviewed afterwards, and he could not get his words out quickly enough. He would start a sentence before he'd finished one and start the next one. It just came tumbling out in this stream of consciousness. 
And I always think of him with this bit of Paul in Ephesians. It's just pouring out. You could tell as Rich read it, where on earth do you put the pauses in this? This is dense stuff and it's pouring out. It's, and the answer is, there's no easy way to do it. So what I'm going to do tonight is pull out five of the blessings. There are many more here. You could pull out loads of them. Uh, just quickly, I'll try not to preach a full sermon on each one. Uh, and we'll just touch on them. But just these are five of the blessings that Paul just pours out, praising God. They are yours if you are in Christ. And if you're not yet in Christ, these are blessings that can be yours uh, as you come to Christian faith. So here's the first one in verse 4. God has chosen us. He chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. You get it again in verse 11, that we are chosen. This is an extraordinary thing, that God, who knows the end from the beginning, uh, saw that we would come, and he's chosen us to be in relationship with him. Now, I don't know what your experience of being chosen for things is. For most of us, it will go back to sort of primary school playgrounds where two captains are picked, and they pick people for their teams. Uh, my experience was I was usually in the second half of the people to be picked, and sometimes near the end, and that's quite depressing. Uh, when people worked out I could hit a ball quite well, I might be picked a little earlier. If it was for football and I've got two left feet and I'm really useless at that, uh, it would be nearer the end. God has chosen you. Uh, sometimes if you get picked in the school playground and then you're no good, you don't get picked again very easily. But the point is God, God knows what we're like and he keeps, as it were, choosing us. He wants us in relationship with him. Now some of you might be thinking, I'm not sure that's how it feels. Some of you are recently come to Christian faith and you're thinking I'm sure it was me that did the choosing to follow Jesus and it absolutely was but before that God had chosen you and was at work drawing you to himself as you look back the longer you go on as a Christian the more you can see as you look back how God was always there how he brought people across your life how he was giving you opportunity to be drawn to him uh, it was explained to me with an illustration when I was younger that it's like there's a big archway as we approach Christ with his invitation, come to me, whoever you are, come. Uh, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come and you'll find rest. And we come and we, we weigh it all up. We come on the Alpha course, we think it through uh, and we think, okay, I believe Jesus was who he claimed to be. I believe he died for my sins and rose again. At least I think I do. I'm going to commit myself to him and you come in. But as you look back on that archway from the inside of the Christian life, you see some other words. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And both those things are true. In the Bible, when, uh, we're, when Paul or whoever else is writing to Christians, this is always used positively. God, it's assurance. God chooses us for himself. Don't push any of these illustrations too far. We are chosen by God. And some of you, that's what you need to hear tonight. Uh, here's the second blessing before I go too long on that first one. He's forgiven us verses 7 to 8 of Ephesians 1. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Uh, redemption is a word that means to buy back. In the days before credit cards were popular and before we were encouraged to buy things, mostly things we don't need with money we haven't got to impress people we don't like. But that, that's, a, that's another sermon. Uh, in the days before those credit cards, if you needed some money and you hadn't got it, you would take something valuable that you did have to the pawnbroker. He would give you some money for it. Uh, and then when you'd got some more money, you could go back and redeem 
your thing. You could buy it back. So my dad, uh, when he proposed to my mum, he, he couldn't afford an engagement ring, but he did have his mum's engagement ring, who died, and uh, he, or his granny's one, I think, and he took that to the pawnbroker and got some money so he could buy an engagement ring and so on. Uh, I never found out whether he actually redeemed the original or whether he just left it with the pawnbroker. But the point is, you buy something back. Now, God has made us. We are his. But we've all gone our own way. And Jesus paid a price on the cross so we could be redeemed, brought back. He gave his very life that we are forgiven. Uh, when we have some baptisms over the next couple of weeks, the imagery of the water is of being washed clean. If any of you are weighed down with guilt about something you've done, or perhaps something you didn't do, there is forgiveness. God has a way of washing us clean. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. A bit like on a beach. If, you, uh, if you've been digging some earthwork on a, on a beach, a tide fight or a boat or whatever it is, a uh, sandcastle, the, the tide comes in and washes it clean, and the next day the beach is clean and pure. It's as if it wasn't there. And God washes us clean in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavishes on us. It's not just that God reluctantly forgives us because I have to because Jesus died for you, so I better do it. It's that he wants to pour his grace. And forgiveness is the first thing, but there's so much more. Uh, I was reminded of a story this week from the Second World War, or just after it, actually. Uh, still lots of rationing. Most people didn't have lots of resources on them. But there was a story of a little orphan boy with his nose pressed up against a bakery. The smell from the bakery was fantastic. He had no money. He couldn't buy anything. An American soldier came along. Uh, Rumour has it that they had all the money after the war. They came and he said to the uh, little boy, you smell those donuts? And the boy went and said, do you want some? And the boy nodded. And the soldier went into the bakery and bought some donuts and came and gave them to the boy. And the boy looked at him and said, mister, are you Jesus? <laughs> and there's something he'd got right that God is a God who blesses, who just, he blesses, he wants to lavish his grace on us. And there are blessings far greater than donuts. <laughs> we're chosen, we're forgiven. Uh, here's the third one. We are adopted into his family, Ephesians 1.5. The end of verse 4, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Uh, now, those of us who are men need to get used to being part of the bride of Christ. Those of you who are women technically need to get used to being sons of God. It's all the adoption to sonship, little footnote in the Bible here, was a legal term that the boys who were adopted really had all the rights 2,000 years ago, whereas the girls didn't. Of course, in our day and age, things are a whole lot better uh, because of what Jesus started. But either way round you look at it, these are the closest relationships, husband, wife, parent, child, and we are adopted as children of a loving heavenly father it is an incredible privilege uh, none of us has got perfect parents or has had them uh, my children certainly haven't got and they point that out to me regularly but we have a perfect heavenly father who we can trust and as you go through the new testament god the father is often talked about in ways that lead us to trust him in in matthew 6 god the father cares for the birds of the air you're far more valuable of course he cares for you or in Luke 11, uh, even though you are not that good, you know how to give good gifts to your children, God is the perfect Father who gives the Holy Spirit. Uh, or perhaps in Romans 8, that we're adopted as God's children and there's all the riches of the inheritance to come. We'll have a look at that more next week. 
Uh, but this third blessing is that we're adopted into God's family. Forgiveness gets us back to neutral. Uh, and then we're in the family with God as our heavenly father. There is no greater blessing. We're chosen, we're forgiven, we're adopted. Uh, fourth blessing, God has revealed his plan to us. So this is verse 9 and 10 of our passage this evening. God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We don't just live in a random world with no particular beginning or no particular end and it's all a question of chance. People in the world around us who don't have, uh, don't share Christian faith have no sense of there being a purpose and a plan. They may now have agreed that it started with a big bang, but no sense of how that happened. The Bible tells us that God created, and he created as an overflow of his love with us as the pinnacle of his creation to be in relationship with him. And though we all went our own way and wound up cut off from him, Jesus came to redeem us, to restore us to relationship with him. Jesus is risen, he's ascended, and one day he will come again. And the world will come to an end as we know it. And then everything will be renewed. The heavens and the earth. I've talked earlier about the natural world we see, the heavenly realities that are all around us that we don't see. There will be a new union. Uh, this is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Uh, there's a phrase I'm really enjoying at the moment. Um, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus talks about when he returns, at the restoration of all things. And Peter in Acts talks about when all things are restored. And I'm really enjoying this one. I'll probably preach into it at Advent when we focus on this. There will come a day when Jesus comes again, when everything will be renewed and restored how it's meant to be. And God's revealed that plan to us. And we're part of that. Uh, he doesn't reveal day to day and week to week too far in advance to us. And there may be plenty of times in your prayer life when you think, God, what on earth are you doing? And God doesn't reveal that to us any more than parents to little children reveal all the plans they've got for their family. They just say, keep trusting me and take it one day at a time. But God does reveal the big picture, the meta-narrative, if you like, that we're part of. And it's when we find our place in that that all the purpose of life begins to make sense. God's revealed it to us. I'm in danger of preaching a sermon on that one too. Fifth blessing. We're chosen, we're forgiven, we're adopted. God's revealed his plan to us. And the fifth one I want to highlight tonight is that God has given us his Holy Spirit. This is from verse 13 of our passage. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Leave that. Uh, just there. God has sealed us with his Holy Spirit, like a stamp of ownership. Not like uh, farmers will brand cattle or sheep with sort of a mark on their backside of a different color saying that they belong to this particular farm. God puts his Holy Spirit in us. And that's a guarantee that we belong to him and that there's more to come. The word deposit here is the Greek word arabone that's used in modern Greek for an engagement ring. Now, we called the bands of marriage for various couples. Some of you are here tonight, one week down, two more to go. Uh, there's Seamus and Katrin there and John and Heather. Uh, I remember when Timmy was getting the engagement ring uh, for marrying, for proposing to Becca. Uh, 
Becca now wears that on her her finger, there's a wedding coming, in their case, on the 1st of September. Some of you before then, some of you later than then. An engagement ring is a promise that there's more to come. The actual reality, the depth of reality. Now, God has given us his very Holy Spirit, but there's far more in the new creation uh, when all is restored. And this is a tremendous blessing, but as we wait for that day, God's Spirit guides us, energizes us, comforts us, uh, and helps us pray and understand the Scriptures more. Uh, so these are tremendous blessings. Put up, let's put up our summary verse again, verse 3 of chapter 1. Praise be, says Paul, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now these spiritual blessings, note, are in Christ. And the phrase in Christ comes so many times in the New Testament. It's about 11 times in this first, these first 14 verses, either in Christ or in him or through him. Uh, so very briefly, let's just rattle through those until you get a bit sick of it. Verse 1, the faithful are in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, we saw every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, He chose us in Christ, in him, before the creation of the world. Verse 5, we're predestined for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Not actually in Christ this time, but through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves, i.e. in Christ. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. I, I won't go on. You get the idea. There's 11 times. These blessings are in union with Christ. So the more we, are, we develop this unity with Jesus, the more we appreciate these blessings, the more we uh, make the most of them. The more we can, as it were, get our spiritual antennae out to be in tune with what the heavenly reality that there is, the more we get a healthy perspective on the natural world around us. Conversely, the more we forget all about the spiritual reality, we get bogged down in the natural world around us and wonder what God's doing. He has blessed you, if you're in Christ, with every spiritual blessing, tremendous riches, and far more to come. So how do we respond to all that uh, as I come into land tonight? There's a phrase Paul uses that crops up three times (coughs) in this first passage uh, about living to the praise of his glory. So if we put up verse 6, God's done all this that we may live to the praise of his glorious grace. And verse 12, God's done all this that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, that was obviously 2,000 years ago, uh, but us too, might be for the praise of his glory. And verse 14, God's given us his Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and so on, to the praise of his glory. And it's just this phrase I want to think about for the last couple of minutes, that we are, God's done all this. He's poured his love down on us so that we might live to the praise of his glory. And as we live to the praise of his glory, we become more the people we're made to be, more whole, more full of joy and hope and peace and so on. Now, uh, 14 years ago, we took some time as a church to come up with a sort of purpose statement Uh, We don't use this probably as often as we should now. We probably need to bring it back into the consciousness of the church today. But we came up with three main purposes, that we are there to bring glory to Christ 
and growth to his church and good news to the community. There's an upward dimension, glory to Christ. There's an inward dimension for the growth to the church. There's an outward dimension, good news to the community. Uh, and that was really a helpful summary. That first bit that we're here to bring glory to Christ came directly out of this chapter in Ephesians 1. And when we'd agreed that form of words, it was only after that that I read the plaque that is here on the front left-hand pillar. If you've never read the plaques around our churches, some of them are a little dull, but some of them give you an insight into what was intended when the church was built. Uh, this church was built in the 1870s. Uh, we're a daughter church of St. Mary's as Leamington grew up the hill. Uh, Thomas Bromley, the vicar of St. Mary's, and some wonderful godly people planned this church. And this plaque is in Thomas Bromley's memory, and I'll read it to you. It says, To the praise of God, who by his grace enabled his servant, the Reverend Thomas Bromley, M.A., vicar of St. Mary's, Leamington, 1856 to 1884, faithfully to preach the gospel of Christ, and in earnest desire for the spiritual welfare of this part of St. Mary's parish, with the generous help of many friends, to build this church and constitute St. Paul's, a separate ecclesiastical parish, that the word of life may here be made known to future generations. Why? For the glory of the Saviour and the blessing of his church. And it goes on to say uh, a bit more. It says, he died resting in the Lord Jesus, who it was his delight to proclaim as the way, the truth, and the life. Those words that are written over the bricks uh, above my head. But there it is in the tablet, as this church was being built. Why did they do it? For the glory of the Savior. And when we'd come up with those words, glory to Christ, as part of our purpose in this church, and we found that it was exactly the same here, the glory of the Savior, there was some sort of connection with what was going on with the Christians who prayed this church into being 140 years ago or so. Today, it's the same. We live to the praise of his glory. We worship to the praise of his glory. Uh, in my first few years here, from time to time, people would say something uh, on the way out of church to me. They don't say that anymore, probably because they know what I will say. But in those days, uh, some days we had an organist to play music, so we had lots of hymns that day. Other days we had a worship band and we had more modern songs. And it was almost typical that people who loved the hymns would come on the day we had the modern songs and want more hymns, and the people who wanted it to be more modern would come on the day we had more hymns. And t too many times on the way out, someone said to me, oh, didn't like the worship today, didn't get anything out of it. And I started replying, well, it wasn't for you. <laughs> it was for him. We worship, and I started saying, if you come and put your preferences to one side and give yourself to try and worshiping God, even if it's in a style you don't particularly like, the Lord loves that. Uh, it's a sacrifice of praise. Try that, and you might find you get a bit more out of it. And I said that often enough that people no longer say to me, didn't get anything out of it today, because I will always say, it was for him. <laughs> and I wondered whether we should put a banner up outside the church. We never did this, as people come in, that says, we're coming here to worship to his praise and glory. And I also wondered about a, a poster up or words up on the door as we go out, that you're going out to live to his praise and glory. We don't forget about God for the next week till we turn up next week. We go out for the longest worship service that we're part of. It lasts the whole week till we gather again to live and work to his praise and glory. That's why we're made. And the more we do that with our lives as well as our lips, the more we're in tune with the heavenly realities around of how God's made us 
uh, the more we appreciate what it is to be chosen, forgiven, adopted, part of God's plan, and with his Holy Spirit in us. Uh, so we're going to turn some of those thoughts to prayer. Would you stand? Uh, band, would you come back ready to lead us in some worship at the end? If you're a visitor here among us, just a word of explanation. We're, I'm going to pick up some of the themes of the sermon in prayer and then invite God to come and minister to us in increasing depth by his Holy Spirit. He might take something that's been said and really write it on our hearts. You might want to a dialogue with the Lord in, your, in the quiet but let's just open ourselves uh, to what he wants to do. Lord God, our Father, we bow in your presence tonight. We are in awe that you chose us before the creation of the world, that you wanted to be in relationship with us. We are amazed. We praise you that you've lavished your grace on us, that you've forgiven us, you've adopted us as your sons and daughters, you've filled us with your spirit, that you've revealed your plan that one day Jesus will return and everything will be restored. We praise you for being part of your family and part of your great plan. And we pray, come afresh by your spirit and minister to us even tonight. Write these truths on our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts to see what's going on in the heavenly realms all around us to be secure in our position in Christ. Come and minister to us in the stillness. Come, Holy Spirit. Just be still for a minute or two.